What do you want to be when you grow up? All of us were asked this when we were children. When you got into high school, the question sounded different, but it was the same basic question. Where do you want to go to college? Oh, and what do you want to study? Then once you're in college, the question changes to, what's your major? Still essentially asking what you want to be when you grow up. When I was a freshman in college, I remember asking a fellow classmate, a girl, that question, what's your major? And her answer was not at all what I expected. It was unique. And it was the only time I ever heard this in college, hearing someone give this answer to that question. I'll tell you what she said coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Josh Raymond. Hello and happy Wednesday to you. So when you're in college, you have a few standard opening lines that you typically use to meet people. You might say, where are you from? And this can give you the opportunity to talk about growing up maybe in a relatively shared geographic kind of proximity to each other. Another one, which dorm are you in? And then you know where they are on campus or maybe if they live off campus. And then there's that question I mentioned, what's your major? This allows you to at least have some knowledge of the person's interests. And then you can always follow up with, oh, what do you hope to do? Where do you want to work? And they can talk about their hopes, their dream job. So as I said, I was a freshman in college and I was sitting with a group of students in the bleachers, in the gym. We were watching people play this co-ed volleyball game, no official game, just students having fun one afternoon there. And those of us that were watching, we were kind of circled around there in the bleachers. We were all chatting with each other. And I honestly don't remember much of anything of the conversation other than there was a girl, Leslie. Leslie was talking about her classes. She was a sophomore. She was one year ahead of me. And she was talking about she was in a biology class. She had a Latin class as well. And so I said, oh, Latin biology. Are you doing something related to medicine, pre-med, something like that? She said, nope. And so I said, okay, well, what's your major? There's that question. She said she had a general studies major, no specific focus. And so I asked, are you leaning towards changing to any sort of specific major in the next year or two? And again, she said, nope, going to stay with my general studies major. So that prompted me to ask, okay, what do you want to do after you graduate? And Leslie, very simply, she said, I want to be a housewife. She wanted to get married. She wanted to have children. She did clarify in telling me, I want to be a very smart housewife. But I initially walked away from that short conversation thinking to myself, seems kind of like a waste of time and money. You know, you're spending a lot to be here at college and you don't want anything more than to be married and have children. So why bother with college? On the other hand, maybe college was a means to an end, you know, kind of the shopping market to find a future husband. And I have no idea what became of Leslie. I don't know where life t took her. You know, I, I never kept in touch. I don't think I saw her beyond probably my freshman year. Maybe I saw her my sophomore year, but we went different roads. But I have a much different attitude now towards her response that she gave me so many years ago. Because even though neither of us were Catholics when we had this conversation, we were both evangelical Christians. But Leslie, she had this clear knowledge of where God was leading her in life. She was aware of God's call to her, her vocation, something more than just declaring a major or landing some sort of dream job. In our contemporary society, 
we associate who we are so strongly with what we do, where we are employed, our profession, but we, all of us, you and I, we are more than merely our job. God has called each one of us to certain tasks and responsibilities in life that go beyond our day job. And that call from God, that is what we call our vocation. But how do you know what your vocation is? What if you're not like Leslie? It's not so obvious. It's not so clear to you where God is leading in your life. How do you discern where God is calling you? Well, this is what we want to talk about today on The Inner Life. And joining us as our spiritual director for the hour, I'm very glad to welcome to the program for the very first time, Father John Lococo. Father Lococo is the director of vocations for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. He's also studying canon law at the Catholic University of America. Father Lococo, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, glad to be able to uh, welcome you here into our studio. And since it is your first time here on the program, uh, maybe you can tell us a little about yourself. So you're in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. Did you always did you grow up there? I did. Yeah, I grew up in the sort of suburbs outside of the city, uh, and we've been in the same house for pretty much my whole life. I'm one of eight, so I have three older brothers, four boys in a row, and then four younger sisters. Who, oh, uh, it's split. Oh, just it's split. Four and yeah, four. you can order it that way. It was kind of funny how that worked out, but uh, it was great growing up in that way. It's like four boys in like six years, so we were all really close knit, and then my four sisters as well, and. We went to the all-boy Jesuit high school. The girls went to the all-girls Catholic high school. And so it was a great experience, just real rich Catholic experience growing That's up. beautiful. So four boys in a row as the first ones. Yes. Did you break all kinds of furniture and destroy the house? And Yes. My, okay. As my parents will claim, uh, it's, it's harder when you have young boys, and then it's harder to have teenage girls. I think that's how they saw it. But most particularly, one time they left for vacation – my sisters went to my cousins. The boys stayed at the house, and within a half an hour, the neighbors called my parents and oh, said, no. did you just leave? <laughs> they're like, what? why? What happened? Well, yeah. we had taken down the American flag and put up the Jolly Roger. Oh, no. <laughs> so oh, the, oh. the neighborhood was not prepared for that. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. So, no, so yeah. pirates at, at, at hand there. huh? Um, so now you're the vocations director I for am. the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. And uh, what? how long have you been in that role, first of all? Just for the past year and a half. Okay. So after ordination, I came home. I served in a parish as a associate pastor. And then after a couple of years, took over as the director of vocations. I run our discernment house, which is at a rectory in one of our parishes north of the city. And then I'm also a student right now as well. Well, and so studying canon law, mm -hmm. uh, Catholic University of America out in D.C., do you have to travel there for classes? Are you able to do it remotely so that you're able to still do the work as vocations director? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Uh, the vice rector of our seminary sort of takes over a lot of the vocation work during the summer. And uh, because I have to be there full-time eight weeks at CUA's campus, and then the rest of the year it's all sort of online asynchronous classes. Very good. Well, so uh, let's talk about, you know, something that is on your mind regularly then, that idea of a vocation that we're called to. And we were talking right before going on the air, that word vocation mm -hmm. is so commonly used in our culture that it's associated with the job you do, the work that you do. You sure. know, it's what what my employment is. Can you help us have a better understanding of what we really mean when we talk about understanding our vocation when it comes to our faith as followers of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think it was it was really brought out in stark relief at one of the coffee shops that I go to near our rectory, where it's a lot of people who are sort of unchurched, not only not Christian, not Catholic, but not Christian as well. 
and they've come to sort of know me. And one of them asked me the other day, they're like, do you think that this is what you'll do with the rest of your life, being a priest, doing the priest thing, as he put it? And I said, yeah, I'm feeling pretty confident this is what I'm going to do. But it, it, it sort of, I think, exposes, yeah, it's a job. It's a thing that we do. But vocation in a deeper way is not just sort of function. It's not sort of how we spend our time or make a paycheck. Vocation is intrinsically united with the first vocation, which is everyone everyone shares in, which is holiness. And so in a really beautiful way, we see vocation is really born out in God's desire to unite himself with us. Like it's this constant invitation to communion with him. And vocation is the vehicle that we best arrive at that first place of holiness with him. And so there's a really beautiful connection between the vocation we all share to sort of spend eternal beatitude with the Lord and to prepare for that communion in this earthly existence, that the vocation itself, the secondary vocation we would call it, which is priesthood or religious life or marriage with single life, that it, that is a participant in that invitation and really leads us to that space. As you're saying this, it makes me think of the way that St. Mother Teresa, she very famously said, you know, she answered the call to religious life, mm-hmm. but then on a train uh, voyage, she was she was traveling on a train and had this very clear call that she would call her vocation within a vocation. Mm, yeah. And it sounds like you're saying each of us essentially has that. We have that initial call to holiness, our vocation, but then each one of us will have some secondary, a vocation within that vocation, that call to holiness. Yeah, and I, th- and I think... When I meet with candidates, I meet with men and women, right? But primarily men who are, because we have our own seminary and sort of inviting them into that sort of consideration of priesthood. When I meet with them, it's it's trying to move them to a place that's beyond just function. And like, what does the priest do? That's really kind of where it begins. I see him celebrate mass. I see him celebrate these other sacraments. I see him teaching and preaching. I see him visiting the hospital. And that's good, but... We begin to sort of establish this pro and cons list between like, well, okay, here's marriage and all the things that a marriage involves, and here's priesthood and all the things that a priesthood involves. But one is a natural vocation, and one is supernatural, which is to say it is above what is natural. It is beyond what is natural. And so we begin to look at it in the same way, and that can be really confusing. Whereas I give the examples, like I'm in COA over the summer. I'm sitting at a desk. I'm working all day working all day, just in case anyone's listening, getting the work in, right? <laughs> all right. And uh, no, but you know, I'm not celebrating public masses. I'm not hearing confessions. I'm not doing any annoying. Am I less of a priest because I'm not doing the function itself? So I think exposes something deeper about the vocation that it's really a question not of what is the priest or what does he do, but who is the priest? And in the same way that we'd say, who is the husband? Who is the father? Who is the wife? Who is the mother? You know, it's it's a question of identity that's really bound up in something that goes beyond just what I have to do. Right. Well, as you're talking about this, too, you in your role as a student, you know, you would have had all those years leading up to ordination that mm. you, 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 number one, are discerning, is this my call? Then you have the uh, studying, the preparation, all of the time in seminary that's leading up to ordination which I would think then at that point you're thinking, okay, great, I am now in my vocation, which you are, but now you're back at school. There's ongoing preparation to more fully live out your vocation. And, you know, I I, I think maybe maybe you can talk about that idea of the time that needs to be used for discernment as well as preparing if you have discerned your vocation because any time that it seems you you know where – you want to go in life, especially if you're saying, I know where God wants me to go. Mm-hmm. 
I think most of us would have the attitude, okay, let's get on with it. Let's go. Let's just get this started right away. Mm -hmm. But then we have to be prepared to get into, you know, I mean, it, it, it might be a short preparation. It might be years and years of preparation, but there still has to be that time given. Yeah. You know, I think one of the the false desires we can cultivate is to say that, okay, I'm going to do this work of discernment and then thanks be to God, I'll be done with it. Right. Like I can just discern and then finally I'm done. I lay my nose on the marble, I'm ordained and then it's over. But I remember speaking to uh, a husband and father in of the parish that I was assigned to and just speaking to him about the realities. You know, he got married in the first couple of years, he had a couple of kids and he was sort of in 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 a in a darker place as it were and we were speaking and he's like is is this it this is it like i had the kids we got married and now it's like he's looking down the next 20 years of his life and i was like who knows what the lord has in store for you daily discernment is ongoing like the husband who has the new child his call to live out his vocation is very different than the 60 year old man whose children have moved away he's still called to sort of live out the promises of his vows in a really beautiful and integral and unique way daily. Like it's a daily discernment of our vocation and how the Lord's calling us to enter into it in a more deep and more unique way. And so for me right now, part of like living out my priesthood means being obedient to my bishop, getting this canon law degree, returning home, and using it as service to the tribunal or or in whatever capacity sort of he desires. And so like keeping op myself open to where it is every day is yeah. important, you know? I, I like that daily discernment aspect that you're talking about there, too. You know, I, I think of uh, Moses, where in the wilderness, well, in Egypt initially, mm -hmm. and somewhere probably around the age of 40, he ends up fleeing to the wilderness after it's, you know, he finds out, oh, somebody knows that I, I killed an Egyptian who was uh, beating up on a fellow Hebrew. Sure. He flees out there. He spends probably about 40 years in living, tending flocks. He gets married. And it's not until he's 80 that he then is called by God to go back into Egypt and call out the Israelites, lead them to where they can eventually enter the promised land. And so we've got two-thirds of his life that is essentially yeah. over. Right. Um, he spent the last 40 years just kind of tending flocks, which then he goes into tending a bigger flock with the, the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. But he's got all this time that's leading up and preparing. And for most of the book of Exodus, which is pretty much the life of Moses, you know, you've got, right. you've got some other laws and things that are given in there. But we get in the first chapter of Exodus— we get essentially he's born, he is found there floating in the Nile by the princess of the pharaoh. Uh, he's brought in, he grows up in the palace, he flees, he goes. It's it's. I think it's somewhere in either chapter 2 or very beginning of chapter 3 of Exodus that we get to see God calling him at the burning bush. Right. And then the rest of Exodus, I think it's 45 or 50 chapters, right. then it's all spent on Moses and everything after that. And that's 80, he's 80 years old. So there's a lot of preparation that's going before that. There's also, I think it's nice to see, you know, it's never too late to, oh, yeah. to have God call you or say, now you are actively in that vocation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I always am struck by, you know, the fullness of time. Like our Lord enters into this human existence in the fullness of time. And like that phrase of just sort of saying like, the time was ripe, the time was abundant, and, and a lot, I think, of discernment means not necessarily going and seeking something out, but being patient, right? And like waiting for that moment. Uh, and it's always the Lord's invitation, which is so subtle and almost hidden in a way. 
the ones that their hearts have longed for, the apostles, the Messiah, you know, the one who will unite the tribes and cast out their enemies. Like, Lord, are you this person? Come and see, follow me. But even if we like look at the call of Peter, it's like his first initial reaction to sort of recognizing the Lord and the Lord's authority is to acknowledge his own sinfulness. Then he follows the Lord and enters into this sort of three-year missionary discipleship formation program, if we want to call it that. But even then, it's this like ongoing growth in understanding what it means to be a follower of the Lord, what it means to assume his cross, what it means for Peter to then to, to serve as vicar of Christ. And it's like even up to the point of his death, the great quo vadis moment where Peter's on his way out of the city of Rome and sees our Lord walking towards the city with his cross and asks him where he's going. It's like that's an ongoing discernment. I need to make this discernment that the Lord is calling me to make the true witness, like to receive the martyr's crown, return to the city, and there he's crucified, right? And so like even Peter into the final moments of his life is this ongoing discernment of where the Lord's invitation is. And that's why I think, yeah, it's quite right that it's like Moses is a great example of um, patience. I hope that the Lord does not send me away to 10 flocks for 40 years after doing the yeah. canon law degree, but it's a great example to turn to of just like, yeah, the, the Lord's never done with us. Right, he's still got a plan. Yes. It might feel like, is this it? You know, like the, the man you were talking exactly. about looking at his life, is this it? Well, you don't know what God has in store for you. Right. Again, talking with Father John Lococo here on The Inner Life today. He is the vocations uh, director for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. And want to invite you into the conversation here as we're talking about how we can discern our vocation in life. How has that happened in your life? How are you living out your vocation? How has understanding your vocation brought you peace, joy? How has it helped you to grow in relationship, to grow in holiness with Christ? Maybe you are unsure of your vocation right now, how to discern where God might be leading, how he's calling you to respond. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Lococo. The number here into the studio, 888 914-9149. Our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. And our conversation continues in just a moment here. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour is sponsored by St. Gregory Recovery Center, helping you or a loved one live a substance-free life. Information at relevantradio.com slash Gregory. That's relevantradio.com slash Gregory. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. Today, I'm speaking with Father John Lococo. He is the Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. He's studying canon law at the Catholic University of America. And today, talking with us about how we can discern our vocation, how we can live out our vocation. Maybe you have a question about that. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Lococo. Our phone number here into the studio, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Uh, Father, before the break, you had talked about Peter and that ongoing process of discernment and how he is looking at all these different points in his life. There's the initial call from Christ, but he has to kind of continually be renewing himself in that discernment of his role mm-hmm. at different points. Uh, we even see him being corrected, and maybe we can talk about the importance of having others to help guide and come alongside you in that discernment process. Sure. 
But I also had mentioned to you during the break, there is that point where Peter is up on the rooftop and he has this vision, this sheet that comes down from heaven and it has all of these different uh, animals and it takes three times, not once, not twice, it takes three times for him to finally understand the message that's being communicated. What was unclean is no longer unclean. The gospel is not only for the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is for the entire world. It's been opened up to everyone. And so when we look at Peter, it's not just that he gets everything right away. There's this, this... I have to be told again and again and again. That That's one of those instances where I think, okay, it gives me a little bit of relief that if I'm a little bit uncertain in my own discernment process, mm-hmm. it's okay. God's going to keep on trying to reach me. He's going to try and get through to me, and he won't give up until I finally get the message. Yeah, because the vocation's bound up in our salvation. Like the Lord desires jealously seeking us out, communion with us. Like, and we're told, all in heaven and on earth will bend their knee at the name of Jesus. Like, that is an unequivocal invitation to communion with him. So he desires us, as we see this beautifully borne out in the Song of Songs, like this great image of the Father who sort of is leaping over mountains just to catch a glimpse of us and sort of the heart speaking to heart there. And so because of that, he's very patient. He's very patient with us. And I think I think the image that you use from some Peter sort of having been told multiple times dovetails just from his own general experience with the Lord, that there is the initial call, but then there's an ongoing, you could say, a cultivating of what his expectation is. Like, who do the people say that I am? Like that famous moment there. It's like ongoing correction of all the apostles of, this is what it means to follow me, that the power that you think that you have, the authority that you think that you'll wield, my kingdom is not of this world, and so to follow me means to suffer. But in that suffering and in that weakness, there's great strength. And so I think even for, for, we can use the example of, of priestly formation, you know, a young man enters seminary with a notion of what it means to be a priest, right? And that needs to be corrected and formed and sort of cultivated so that it is a robust understanding of servant leadership, of sort of laying down one's life, of participating in the works of mercy in the church. And so, yeah, the, the Lord, even from the initial call, but all throughout the call, is always, I think, kind of like a sculptor, cutting away and softening those parts that need to be sort of smoothed over so that the Lord's work can be borne out in our lives. Uh, Maybe we can also then talk about, if we're going through that discernment process, how we might think we understand where God's leading, Mm -hmm. but then uh, I got it wrong. (laughs) You know, Um, Let's pick up on that in just a moment, Father. I want to go to the phones. We've got a number of people calling in. And again, if you would like to join the program and call in and speak with Father Lococo, the phone number here into the studio, 888-914-9149. How are you living out your vocation? How did you understand that call that God had for you, uh, where he was calling you to live your life to grow in that holiness, to grow in relationship with him. Maybe you are completely unsure of your vocation. You've been praying, asking God for clarity, for his guidance, and you're still not quite sure, and you'd like to speak with Father Lococo, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Emma, who's calling in from Riverview, Florida. Hi, Emma. Welcome to The Inner Life. Um, hello, hi. Um, this is actually my first time calling, and I don't tend to listen to relevant radio at this time, but I happen to be out on the road, and 
I, I've been having this um, feeling inside of me about my vocation. If, did I do the right thing? Am I doing the right thing or not? I, um, I went to school. My parents are from Guatemala, and they worked really hard for me to get uh, a college education. I did, and I got my bachelor's, my master's, and my doctorate. So it was a dream come true for my family, um, a big deal for all of us. And then one year into working, uh, having my doctorate already, I already had a daughter. Um, my husband and I felt that I, uh, that I was being called to stay at home and, and provide for the family um, as a stay-at-home mom um, for my daughter and my husband and just this quality of life that we didn't have when we were, when we were both working. And now we have a second daughter, and I'm, I'm at home now. I, I, I resigned after working for two years. And I feel happy, and I know that this is where God wants me to be, but sometimes I do doubt myself. I still have a little bit of guilt inside of me, mm. thinking that so many people invested in me, uh, not just my parents, my in-laws, my husband, and, and organizations, right, that help fund my my school up until my Ph.D. And so sometimes I do feel like I'm letting them down uh, by being a stay-at-home mom right now. But I feel like God's not done with me, like you mentioned earlier. Like, I feel like maybe a few years down the road, I might go back to work or not. But I do feel a calling to be um, home right now with my kids and providing for my family in this way. Yeah, I appreciate the call. And in a particular way, I think you identify something that each of us can feel even as we take those definite steps towards what we perceive to be the Lord's invitation, there is that feeling of doubt or fear or anxiety. And St. Ignatius is very quick to sort of remind his novices that that's the first way that the devil seeks to disrupt our peace, is with anxiety. That spirit of anxiety is something that can really sort of foster and cultivate this uneasiness and, and question in our own lives. I mean, if we look, you mentioned earlier Mother Teresa, like, she experiences these decades of sort of spiritual darkness, mm-hmm. of like receiving no consolation in her prayer, living this incredibly rigorous existence and working with the poorest of the poor. How did she know that she's doing what the Lord wants her to do? Because in the eyes of the world, this is lunacy, right? This is crazy to live this way. And you're not even experiencing consolation from the Lord. How did she know? For her, the compass was, nonetheless, she continued to grow in the gifts of faith, hope, and love, right? She was growing nonetheless in charity for her sisters and for the poor. And to her, that was the great sign of the Lord sort of almost confirming and stamping what she was doing. And I think for you, as you sort of navigate this season of your life, I mean, there's nothing to say, you know, the PhD doesn't fade in years, you know? And so, yeah, maybe you could return to using that or working or teaching in some capacity, but to discern with your husband and with your family right now, to be there, to care for your children at home, I mean, I think that's a beautiful thing, and, and to be able to sort of receive that right now. Um, you owe the Lord your life, right? And so if, if this life right now is helping you grow in holiness and to sort of love your husband as you promised at your wedding and to lay down your life for your children, then, then that's the discernment to make, not some sort of images in our mind of what old professors or companies or the world might think makes sense, quote unquote, instead of what the Lord wants. Yeah, well, or even what you feel like you might owe. Right. You know, because Emma, I, I know you said that 
you know, there, there was so much that was given to you, you know, the time, the energy, the, the, the financial support that was given for your education. Um, I'll just say from my own personal experience, um, in my family life, my wife, uh, you know, she worked the first few years that we had children and we had that conversation one of us we felt needed to be home and it just made more sense for my wife to be the one at home that said she has a higher level of education than i do so she and i i will any <laughs> any day of the week i will readily admit she is a smarter person than i am she is extremely capable um she though loves being able to be home with our kids and she has been able to find that peace now that doesn't mean that she is just going to stay home the rest of her life because she constantly is thinking, okay, you know, when the kids are at a certain point, when I'm able to go back and, you know, maybe enter the workforce again, able to do something else, you know, she's still kind of exploring that. So again, Emma, I, I think what you mentioned that this is just a season of your life that you're able to, you know, in the future, put your education into use in a different way. Absolutely. I, I, I hope I can just kind of echo what Father Lococo is saying here, that it, it really is, you know, that PhD, like you said, it doesn't fade away, you know, mm-hmm. in those those years that you're helping take care of your children. Um, uh, Father, let's talk about, though, you know, if you, if you have peace in that discernment process, that's a great sign. If you have discerned and wrongly discerned mm-hmm. that you think this is where you're going. I guess what would maybe be the first indication that might occur for someone if, okay, I've been walking down this road for a while now. I thought this is where God is calling me, but now I'm not so sure. How do we know if that's the doubts that you're talking about, that that's right. how Satan's trying to get to us, right. or if it's a true, no, I, I really am on the wrong path and I need to get on this other path. This is really where God's calling me. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think ultimately, if we let's use the example of just priesthood and priestly formation, but I think the same would hold true for women who enter into religious life and men in, in religious life. But if you think of a seminary as a place where you can move from a private discernment into a public discernment, that you step into the into the halls of the seminary and you meet with a formation director every two to three weeks. You meet with a spiritual director every two weeks. You have the rector and the vice rector who are tasked with your ongoing discernment. You have people who are in charge of your apostolic ministry, whatever that assignment might be. You've got people at your teaching parish who are evaluating you. You have professors who are evaluating you. And so all of this is sort of, this is the church discerning with you. And so I always say, it's like, you know, it's the safest place to discern is stepping into that seminary and then trusting in the people that you're surrounding yourself with. And I think one of the dangers that we can find ourselves within is when we're just sort of discerning on our own and making decisions on our own. And that's the thing that we lament the most, that the seminarian, for example, who wakes up one morning and just packs his bags and leaves, like that's not a good discernment. It's the discernment that's made in sort of communion with the body of Christ. And so that's where I draw people. If they're nervous about like, well, is this just like a doubt I'm feeling? It was something I felt my third year in seminary, or third year of theology. So I was going to get ordained a deacon, and I was like, am I just good at waking up on time? (laughs) I'm like, I'm an obedient guy. Like, And I played sports, and so it's not hard for me to just sort of like be coachable. I'm like, am I just good at like doing what I've been asked to do? Or is this actually something that's real? And I think kind of like Peter, like I felt 
like he goes back to the transfiguration. Like that's such a critical moment for him. Mm-hmm. The Lord manifests himself. It was the same thing for me. It was like, no, that was, this was real. Like this called and pulled me out of what I thought I knew into some other life. And like here at the finish line towards diaconate and ordination, I'm, I'm now all of a sudden wondering, like, maybe I just like tricked myself into this. But this was like very real. And I, and I think that's where prayer is at the heart of discernment. Just being like, where was the Lord's voice? Where was he speaking to me? Uh, as you're talking about that part of being in a community that's helping you in that discernment process, the prayer that is going in there, I'm thinking about discerning a call to marriage. Sure. And I know for me, there was very little prayer that probably went in, especially when I first met the woman who was going to be my wife. It was, oh, she's very pretty. I'd like to talk to her, you know? And then the biggest discernment after that, do I have the courage to ask her out on a date? Yes, there would have been more discernment, of course, leading up to, are we both really wanting to get married? Mm -hmm. But it was a pretty natural path. And I guess, you know, for somebody who's listening and saying, I, I, it seems like I'm on the right path here. It seems like things, every, everything seems to be working out. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm praying regularly, but I haven't necessarily discerned in this grandiose kind of fashion sure. where I'm being called. Is, is that, that natural kind of just walking the path going to be part of that discernment as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think in a, in a certain way that if we're actually seeking to grow in communion with the Lord, if we're cultivating a, a sort of a, a credible and consistent prayer life, like those things are going to sort of just, I mean, I trust in the Lord's invitation sort of reaching us in that moment. And it was something that I was told just as, as I remember being quite young um, and in high school, just sort of tossing the idea around and being told, you know, if you, if you invite Our Lady into this discernment, she's not going to, if you're supposed to be a priest, she's not going to let you right. sort of run away, Right. And that was always sort of, I think, the case. And I think so. I just think for the for the individuals, like you know, I'm not actively discerning something. I think that's maybe where I'd offer a little direction because discernment and vocation itself, like it's not something that's abstract. It's concretely united with who we are and how we're living and pursuing holiness. And so, I'll meet individuals who are like, you know, yeah, you know, like I'm open to marriage, I'm open to priesthood, but it's like they're not dating and they're never coming to the seminary on retreats. They're just sort of like living. I'm like, well, just start taking steps towards something, you know? And I say to individuals, I'm like, I don't want you to get married. I don't want you to be a priest. I want you to do God's will. And if it's through the former, I'll help you. If it's through the latter, I'll help you. But that's, that's, I want holiness for you and for myself. And holiness for me means doing what's right in front of me is drawing others into communion with him. So I would just, I would, my instruction for those listening is just start taking steps towards what you think the Lord wants you to do. Mm. And very quickly, it will sort of confirm or not where you need to be going. Psalm 37 in verse four, it says, find your delight in the Lord who will give you your heart's desire. And that idea that, God will give us our heart's desire if we are in relationship with God. As long as we're not, you know, in we're not dealing with some sort of uh, serious sin that has severed our relationship sure. with Him. If if things are, you know, in a good place for us, of course, there's always room to grow, right? Mm-hmm. But if things are in a good place for us, that heart's desire 
I'm thinking it's God who's going to foster that heart's desire anyway. The the Holy Spirit working in us is going to hopefully draw us towards something that God knows is for our own good. And so it's not only that God will give us the desire of our heart, but God, he is planting that there for Mm -hmm. us to draw us into a deeper relationship with him, however that comes about. Yeah, and I, I've been reading a lot of Pope Benedict the last couple uh, weeks, uh, just in light of his passing, and I was reading an instruction that he gave to seminarians on just on discernment, right? And I can't quite remember when it was from, but it was interesting because he gave tips at the end for their ongoing discernment, and it was exactly what you'd expect: go to confession with frequency, go to mass, pray the rosary. I mean, nothing exciting, and that's that's the reality of just like discerning the Lord's will is not uh, the exciting adventure that we might want it to be, but it, it, it's the beautiful sort of mystery of the hidden ways that he's working. And, and that's, that's where sort of our, our prayer and consistent prayer and, and has sort of maintaining a sacramental life can be so fruitful. Father, let's go back to the phones. I'll throw out the phone number one more time here, 888-914-9149. Talking today with Father John Lococo. He's the Director of Vocations for the Archdiocese of Milwaukee and talking about how we understand that call to our own individual vocation, what that means for us, whether that is religious life priesthood, married life, uh, however God is leading, and maybe you have a question about how to discern your vocation, where God might be calling you if there's uncertainty. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Lococo, 888-914-9149. Pat is listening in Boston. Hi, Pat. Welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air. Yes, hi, hi. Um, I just have an, exper- have an experience, and I just wanted to share it. Um, when I was in college, I had plans for myself, very big plans, realistic, but plans. And it didn't include children, and it didn't include marriage. And yet, um, being young and uh, not thinking about things, um, I became pregnant, and uh, my boyfriend became my husband, sort of overnight. Uh, that was not in the plan. Uh, that wasn't supposed to happen. However, I did choose to have the baby, and I did choose to allow my husband to love me, which was a very big decision. And we became, we were married. And I sought through many, many years of discernment, uh, seeking discernment with my spiritual advisor. Um, what? How did I know I was in the right life? It's not what I wanted. It wasn't my heart's desire. And how did this happen? Should I get out of this marriage? Uh, should I go ahead with my heart's desire and not fulfill my marriage vows? Because this wasn't for me. And I realized, I understood that I would have to sit with this and ask for the wisdom. Ask for the wisdom within me through the Holy Spirit to just open up my mind, accept God's desire for me, not my heart's desire, but his desire for my heart. And within years, this didn't happen in a week or two, it took years for me to really understand that it's like a GPS. I know God changes the direction when I turn the right, you know, the corner, puts me and reroutes me. And I had to really accept that and understand that. And I did. And I did start to do that. And I've been able to fulfill and live out with a sense of joy. I wouldn't say happiness all the time. Happiness is like 15 minutes. 
but a sense of joy that this is where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. And I believe also, I want to say one last thing, if you're living the life you're living, it's probably the life you're supposed to be living. So I just wanted to share my experience with you. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, And I think you highlight something that's really important there, which is the relationship that our discernment has with our emotional state. Just to share personally, you know, I mean, the the sort of moment for me of realization was very uninspiring, as it were, of just like recognizing and accepting the Lord's call. It was returning for the thousandth time to the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. But consistent prayer and growth in my spiritual life allowed that verse to strike my heart in a new way, right? And so in that moment, I was like, the Lord is calling me to be his priest, very clearly. I felt such certainty about it. And yet I was not ready to accept that gift, right? To accept the gift of the Lord's call to this vocation. That like emotionally, my reaction to this was like, oh no, like you've got to be kidding me. I knew how much had to change in my life. The major, the school I went to, the relationship that I was in, all of these different sort of pieces. And so I think Pat sort of recognizes or draws out something really beautifully for us as well, which is just like how I feel about it might have to follow a little bit behind what the Lord's will is, right? And and that's where like the role of patience is so important. So I think we have to move away in our discernment of vocation from this sort of language of this is the more authentic life that God's calling me to be. Because two things can be true. He can be calling us to live out a particular vocation. And in that moment, it might not immediately resonate with us. And that's okay. You know? Yeah. The Lord will be much more generous than we are. Well, he'll never be outdone in generosity. So whatever we offer to him in small measure by giving our yes to what feels to be a clear invitation, he's going to sort of a hundredfold return over. Maybe after the break, we can also talk about some of those common obstacles. You talked about, oh, I'm going to have to change the entire trajectory of my life. Mm -hmm. I have to change schools. I have to end this relationship I'm in, you know, different things that were there. And those all could have, you, you could have at any moment then said, uh, I don't want to do this. Right. I don't. Yeah, I don't right. want to. I don't want to have to go through the difficulty and the pain and uh, you know all of this anguish of letting people down who might have been counting on me in this area of you know hurting people's feelings because I'm doing something that sure. you know they they may not want me to do or disagree with so there's a lot of that maybe we can pick up on that when we come back again our spiritual director for the hour today father john lococo the vocations director for the archdiocese of milwaukee and our phone number into the studio 888-914-9149 talking about discerning our vocation in life how god is calling us how did God call you? How have you been able to live out that vocation? And, you know, not just a one-time discernment, but as Father mentioned earlier, that ongoing discernment of your vocation. 888-914-9149 is the phone number. Back in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is here to help with this year's health insurance open enrollment. They offer individual, couple, and family options to best fit your needs. Before January 15th, visit RelevantRadio.com slash Forrester. back to The Inner Life. You are listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond. 
Speaking today with Father John Lacoco and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. Big thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Engesser helping to produce the program today. And thank you for you being a part of the program and listening. If you joined us late, you can always find the podcast. It'll be posted shortly after the broadcast ends. You can find it at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. Uh, Father, before the break, I mentioned those different obstacles that we might face. Are, are there certain ones that maybe, I guess, in anyone's life you might see as common obstacles? You mentioned doubt. That's one of those first sure. areas that the enemy might try and attack us. But, uh, you know, I would think also confusion. God is not a God of confusion. Mm. Um, if there's confusion over discerning your call, that might also be a red flag. Any other obstacles that you would see in that discernment process? Yeah, I think it's like a two sides of the same coin in a way that vices, like habits that are particularly disordered in our life, can really distort, not only can separate us from communion with the Lord, right, but also just the ongoing discernment that we're trying to make. And so one that I'll sort of work with with young men in particular, it's just like their their purity, for example, like that yeah. sort of thing is really can, can really fog... Um, what the Lord's invitation might be. And so that's why, again, the responses to that are like consistent prayer, sacrament of confession, go to Mass. Spiritual director, these things can be really helpful in sort of helping you identify that, because at the same time, we can let perfect be the enemy of the good. That like, I'll meet individuals that are like, well, once I have all of these things in my spiritual life in place, it's not only like, oh, I'm finishing this degree and then I'll enter seminary, or I'm wrapping up these parts of my life, that can just be an ex, you know, an external obstacle, but it's interiorly, they're like, I really want to work on this thing. And when that's in place, then I'll be ready. It's like, the Lord wants you, not this sort of image of yourself that you've crafted. Yeah. He wants your weakness because that's the space that he's been able to build up himself in you. Yeah. There, there's, uh, so I'm a convert to the faith sure. and the Baptist church I went to in my teen years, there was a man who I remember the pastor inviting him, said, oh, you play the guitar. You want to be part of our, our worship team, you know, help mm -hmm. help lead, you know, singing and, and, you know, play music. And this man's name is Steve. And he told me, he said, when the pastor had asked me, I was actively using cocaine. Whoa. I was, yeah, he, he I, I was living out of wedlock with this woman. There were all these things. Right. And I said, I, I'm not the, the stand-up Christian that, you know, you want up there. And he said, no. Let's get some of those things corrected, but God wants you right. to be in, and, and that put his life on such a different path, and he has been so involved in his faith ever since. I mean, it's it's remarkable Beautiful. to see yeah. how somebody saying, it's okay, yeah, you've got baggage, we've all got baggage, yeah. but God can work with that. Yeah, and, and, and look at the diversity of our Lord's initial call to the apostles, like so many of them just coming from these sort of wayward existences. Um, and especially the call of Matthew is like this beautiful example of this one whose his sin has separated him from any community that would welcome him. And so in this space of what feels to be total isolation, nonetheless, the Lord calls him out in that beautiful Caravaggio painting of like the Lord and the light and the invitation just sort of like striking right at his heart. And so those two things can become, I think, obstacles in as much as we, we make them bigger than but we give them more credit than is their due. So that's not to say we shouldn't be concerned with serious sin or habitual sin, but it is to say if we're like putting our life on hold for the holiness that we want, um, 
it's like the, the holiness is found in the vocation, right. living it, concrete well, steps. It'd be the same thing with even approaching the sacraments. I'm going to wait until yeah, I sure. get my life all cleaned up oh, before yeah. I go to confession. Right. Well, no, the confession is there to help you so that you receive the grace so that you can grow and overcome that sin in your life. You know, the you of course you need to be in a state of grace to receive the Eucharist, but if you're struggling with that sin, yeah, go to confession and receive the Eucharist. That's the medicine for the soul that you need. Yeah. So don't don't wait until you're perfect right. before you approach God. He's calling you. Uh, only have a couple minutes left here, Father, but let's also talk about when somebody thinks that I've got this vocational call for my life, mm-hmm. and life circumstances change. Uh, the most obvious example I can think of is somebody who's married, they have a spouse who dies, sure. and then they're not sure, okay, I thought I was going to be married to this person for the next, you know, we've been married 20 years, I thought I had another 20 years, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. You know, I felt this call to the vocation of marriage, here I am single again. Yeah, yeah, and, and in fact, I think you could ask any any priest, we've had classmates, you know, and we know people who were in these situations. I live, my classmate who I live with at our House of Discernment, his his mother passed and his father is now a priest for a different diocese. Mm, wow. So father and son, both of them were priests. And so being able to speak with them and just sort of see, um, I think it draws back on that, just like, again, returning daily to where the Lord's calling us. It's obviously like that's a real break. I think to be clear as well, like the Lord is not going to be inviting us away from things that we have been drawn into um, within the church. So like the Lord, I don't need to be sitting here saying like, I wonder if the Lord wants me to seek laicization. Like that's not where the Lord's right, leading me. Right. Or should I divorce my husband or wife? Like that's not where the Lord wants to lead us. But in that space and avenue in which all of a sudden we're sort of brought into this new chapter, this new horizon, I think that's especially like to use your Moses example, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's almost where the Lord really strikes uh, in, in a deep and, and, and abundant way like a new tone and a new melody, uh, just the number of, of sort of priests I've been able to meet who were married then and then have sort of entered. It's more than you would expect, and I always am like fascinated by it. And they said, like, I, they, one of them in particular said, my marriage prepared my heart to sort of receive this vocation. And like, mm-hmm. he's so grateful for his wife, loves his kids, but the priesthood, like, he sees it all as like, it's all harmony. The Lord makes... Good music. For well, our and then lives, for it's sure. a new marriage. You're right. in reality married to the church. Yeah. Then, yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, Father, we're down to our last thirty seconds here. Real quick, book a recommendation for somebody who might want to look into this deeper. Yeah, it's all about abandonment to divine providence, and so the book is by Wilfred Stenison, who's a Carmelite, and it's called "Into Your Hands, Father." abandoning ourselves to the God who loves us. Wonderful. Uh, in our last twenty seconds, can I ask you to offer a blessing for our listeners? Absolutely, Heavenly Father, we ask and beseech your mercy in our lives that amidst the fear or doubt or anxiety that might be grown as we discern our vocation, we pray that you dispel it and bless the hearts of those faithful who come before you now seeking your love and mercy. May God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Thanks so much, Father Lococo. Hope we uh, can talk with you again sometime soon here in the future. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned. We've got Mass, which starts in about 30 seconds. Again, the podcast posted shortly at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app tomorrow, talking about the virtue of chastity. Look forward to seeing you back here on The Inner Life.